Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, so I've just said you're in San Francisco in California. Whereabouts in San Francisco are you? I am actually in Oakland. My office is still in San Francisco in the financial district, but we're not really going there that much. So mm. Oakland on the water is where I am. Yeah, it's interesting. So when you say you haven't gone there or you don't go there often, how many times probably in the last year have you been into the office? The last calendar year. Wow. Well, 12 months, maybe three, and that's mostly to check the mail. but. A couple of times I've stayed there to kind of hang out, but no one else was there. No one. So it felt a little uncomfortable. Wow. Yeah. Good, good. Probably a good investment at the moment, right? Commercial property? Hmm. I don't yeah. know. So it's interesting to see people are not going back to the office and even leaders are finding it hard to bring people back into the office if they're struggling with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what are you hearing from your peers out there in the marketplace? Are they finding that hard? They are. And my business doesn't need to be an in-person, in-the-office kind of business. And, and I, we were mostly remote prior to the pandemic. But I do hear from other people their frustrations when their companies were asking them to come back. I really haven't heard of too many entrepreneurs or owners frustrated that their employees don't want to come back. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think a lot of leaders, listeners, they find it difficult to bring people back into the office. And some people don't want to come back in. But what I think a lot of organizations are finding is that they can work remotely and it's working okay and it's going good. So yeah, and you play the violin and also you are a vocalist. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I started playing the violin in fourth grade and it was a remarkable situation because in America right now, there isn't free music education in the public school districts. So growing up in the middle of the country, there's a lot of money and support for that. My family wasn't on the, you know, financially solid side. So being able to play the violin, take private lessons and group lessons and play in the orchestra and the chamber orchestra and a string quartet, that really saved, made and saved my life. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Eh? Um, well, when you say save your life, well, what do you mean? Well, I had not the best experience as a young person growing up in a challenging family situation. And the violin gave me focus. It gave me a passion. It gave me a place to go. I practiced for hours and hours on end, sometimes in my room, but sometimes I went to a practice room and I'd say I was disciplined, but I also had a need, a passion, and maybe even a little bit of an addiction, which was, you know, going in my favor to yep. be addicted to something like that. 
Yeah, it almost sounds like it was an escape for you, but at the same time, you were growing a skill, a talent. But probably three words that I think I sort of picked up from there was the discipline, the focus, and the consistency that you were doing on a regular basis, of course, to get in and do that. So yeah, interesting how we all go through different journeys in life and, and how things sort of shape us as well. Okay, good. So let's get into this. I've got some questions for you. And how did you get into leadership? I think leadership came to me as a young person who had to be on their own at 16 years old. I had to learn how to read and sign a lease for an apartment. I had to learn that the lights and the heat and the electricity didn't just come on. That was a shocker. (laughs) I had no idea that that wasn't just built in. So I think the leadership started there, having to work full time as a young person and pay all the bills. That is leadership skill, right? And managing your life, then becoming concert master of an orchestra. That is a, a severe leadership role that was kind of scary, honestly. I wasn't prepared for it and it made me grow. It showed me, though. Something that's really important, and I think a lot of people don't understand if they're not leaders and if they're not leaders of a company, is that, yes, it looks shiny and wonderful. And yes, it's a great honor, but there's a lot of pressure with that. And there's also a lot of, sometimes there's not support. So being concert master of an orchestra in college, let's say, for instance, you walk onto the stage, you stand up, you're the one telling everyone to tune in whether they're in tune or not. You're the one who's telling how the bow stroke should go and what the fingerings are. And there can be some backlash. <laughs> so you aren't necessarily the most popular person as in business, as a leader. Yeah, what do you mean I'm not in tune? I'm in tune. I can imagine the conversations and what's going on. <laughs> but I actually love the example or the, the actual metaphor there as well, which is a live example for you. But I think for the listeners, it's a great example whereby as a leader, we have people in our organization that play different roles. So there's what an orchestra, there's different players, mm-hmm. different instruments that they bring in, different talent. But then there are people in behind those instruments. And then there are egos and then there are <laughs> feelings and people. So there's a lot for opinions. us. Opinions, <laughs> yeah, very good. And there's a lot of things for us to go through and, and experience. Yeah, and it actually does. And I, and I love the other piece too, which is you go on stage first. You're the one that first stands up. That's what a leader does, that they stand up and they get on things and, and then we bring everybody else together. But then the other analogy part of that is, because I love it, I love that you share that. You're going down the rabbit hole of the analogies and I'm here for it. <laughs> I love it. Because the thing here is once, because you actually said something that sometimes are out of tune, but when everybody is in tune and everyone's doing their role really well, It's just a beautiful sound. Magic. Magic happens for everyone, for all the players, for the conductor, for the concert master, for the listeners. It is quite magical. Mm. That's a nice way of putting it. Magical. Yeah, very much so. So that's why I think it's a great example of what you just shared there, because the orchestra is where it plays music. And if somebody is out of tune or out of time, can you tell? Absolutely. Everyone can tell. Everyone except for the person necessarily that is. (laughs) I mean, that's not true. Depending on what your ear and your capability of is, I, I don't have perfect pitch. And those that do actually suffer quite a bit because a lot of things are hard to get to perfection, right? And in business for me and in performing, I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for excellence. So we're kind of going down a rabbit hole, but If you have perfect pitch and you hear a pitch that is slightly out of tune, it's very difficult to live with. 
So I'm thankful I don't have that actually. Okay, okay, good. That's good to hear because our neighbors, kids, both sides of the neighbors, of the <laughs> kids are playing the violin and they're practicing. And at times we're sitting outside because it's summer here at the moment and we're going like, oh. <laughs> and then the other times we're like, oh, that's so good. Good on them. <laughs> and you can see them and hear them growing, which is really interesting. But they keep practicing. They keep doing the discipline, the focus, the consistency side of things of all, all the time as well. Okay, so the ma- the concert master and what about other leadership things? How, I mean, when you said you sort of came into those roles, what other things have you experienced around leadership? So the next step from that would be leading my string quartet, which was very crucial in my business journey because I was getting all the gigs, I was getting all the clients, I was putting out the contracts, I was selecting the music, I was arranging the music, I was copying the music, I was doing all the work, all the management, all the production. And then I would hire people and their job was to come on time to the right place, wearing the right clothing, having the right, don't forget your cello. These things happen, by the way, and following my lead. And actually, if you think about it, and a lot of people listening to this might not understand this, but if you're playing at a wedding It is a very carefully timed situation and you have to have the feeling for when to stop and start a song. So you're playing a classical piece as the bride and the father, let's just say, and all of the wedding party is coming down. But if you are not noticing that everyone is up at the altar at a time and you don't stop the song in a beautiful place, it's very awkward because then they're already up at the altar. The music is still playing and people are like, oh, does the string quartet know that they should stop? So I think my leadership skills, especially with improvisation, being able to gauge when to do something and when to stop, really solidified during that time. Mm-hmm. No, it's, that's, that's a very good point. In my introduction of yourself, we talked about that you've been in the 5,000 list of Inc., around fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row now. So that too would take leadership around that space, right? Absolutely. And that's years later. So that's recent. We were on the list three times in a row at a growth rate of about 65% year over year. Nice. That's pre-COVID. We actually were given our third award in the middle of the pandemic, which was funny because when we found out we made the list, it was actually for the year before, right? So I own an event and entertainment production company and my profitable multi-million dollar company went to a screaming flat zero in March of 2020 and I had to build it back up. I guess just to give a context of how I got here, which I think, you know, when we share some vulnerability, it allows people in to understand us. And particularly when we're in front of people who have achieved so much that, you know, when I I may feel outrageous awe and the gap between this incredibly accomplished person and myself until they tell me something real, something vulnerable. And then instantly the level playing field, because at the end of the day, none of our accomplishments or successes or gifts can compensate for the fact that we've all had to survive life. And when we meet in that place, we feel the connection that brings meaning to our lives. Boom. Hey, listeners, fantastic what Sherry's just shared off straight away off the blocks, because that is wonderful what you're saying. Look, I think that what you shared about being real 
is so important for leaders. People have got, how can I say this, like a BS radar out there. They can see whether someone's not being real. And Sherry, recently, I've just, I do a freestyle episode once a week as well. And I talked about take both masks off. In other words, leaders, we've got this COVID mask that we're having to wear. And this is another mask that other people will actually hide behind. And I see that they're not being real. And when people actually understand who they are, it's really nice to see it actually happen. But it takes a long time to get to that point. And I would offer to people that when you're in the presence of someone who won't or can't or refuses to be real, in addition to whatever legitimate frustration you may feel, take a step back and realize that they are leading with their wound and they can't get any closer because they don't yet have the tools to do that. And maybe they're not on a path. Maybe they're not seeking to open up. But regardless of your motivation, if you can get there, it's a good thing. So if you're doing it just to make money, whatever, we'll take it. When a leader who is a parental figure in some ways, whether or not they want that to be the case, when the leader says a word of encouragement, when a leader sees you for who you really are, despite your flaw or because of your flaw or or whatever that takes. Once you begin to infuse your humanity in the workplace, now all bets are off because we've all been programmed to think that it's not really safe to be who you are. But if you're restricting parts of yourself, you're also restricting your ideas and your creativity. Those things do take a risk. And that risk is tied up in your vulnerability. And your vulnerability is tied up in your defenses. So if you can coax them into feeling comfortable, treat them like the little babies that were wounded that they are, and then maybe they'll talk to you and get reintegrated. Very good. So, Sherry, I see that a lot of people, they tend to get a hang-up about the word networking. In other words, going out and meeting new people and relationships. What you've just been sharing, is that one of the reasons why people sort of have a hard time or feel uncomfortable about meeting new people and networking? I also think, and I had a visceral reaction to the word networking when you said that as well. Not because everybody, of course, wants to meet more and more people. Everybody wants to come closer to their goals. The idea of networking is very different from the idea of being real. The idea of networking means I'm going to make a connection with you to see what you can do for me. Maybe we do something for each other. Maybe we have love in our heart. All that is, is fine, but it's got an ulterior motive. Whereas connecting, human to human, the only motivation is to connect. It is that process of giving ourselves over to who we each really are in this moment. That is the only goal. So when you're networking, there's a lot to lose. The person may not like you. You may say the wrong thing. All of those kinds of issues. So I think I would invite people to look at the importance and power of professional relationships in a different way. More through the lens of, you know what, this is your life. You're probably spending more of your time doing this than you are hanging out with your friends and family. So let's make it beautiful. Let's make it worthwhile. Let's make it give you so much purpose and sense of doing what you were really put here on earth to do by yourself or whatever you may believe in which is to manifest your talents and your passions. Yeah, I think what you've just said, all of it is brilliant and fascinating. 
And then what you just said there at the end, they're about our talents, the what we've been put on the earth to do. It's wonderful to see people go out and do what they've been wanting to do. But then I know there's a whole lot of people out there right now who are holding back and they're not actually giving everything. And I think there is part of me that thinks that sometimes we need to do this because there's just one person out there that may need what we've got to offer. And that one person, it could be life-changing for them. And if we can just share that and feel free and comfortable to do that, that's going to be just a beautiful thing to see. I agree. And I would also open up that idea to extend it to this, that that person out there that just needs to hear this word of encouragement may not be a person who has never trusted themselves, never manifested anything, be, you know, just like be under the blankets crying. That person might be me at a certain moment during a certain day. Because there's no there that you arrive at and then you're good. Mm-hmm. Ongoing work. Life's still going to keep happening. You're going to have disappointments and losses and grieving and joys. And we can't control, nor should we expect that everything is going to go smoothly. But the, what we do have some control over is the way that we choose to think about and explore and understand the events of our lives what has happened to us and who we are underneath the things that have happened and the things that we have been told about ourselves. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 